Thanks for tuning into the podcast of the Original Pentecostals. We hope that you would connect with us online. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can follow us at T.O.P. of Leesburg. Stop by our website at theoriginalpentecostals.com. And if you haven't already, join us on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. for service. We are currently meeting at Frederick Douglass Elementary at 510 Principal Drummond Way, Southeast in Leesburg, Virginia. Feel free also to give us a call at 571-206-1783 for any information you may need. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. And verse 2, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I would like to say that, amen, Warrington is getting up and off the ground. Hallelujah. We have started our uh, startup gatherings. Uh, we had our very first startup gathering this past month in the month of October. We had 12 in attendance with us. Uh, just at a simple Starbucks, hallelujah, and so we, uh, we had good time of fellowship, and we just took that Starbucks over, and, uh, and God continues to bless us, and uh, we, we just got a, a, a signification for a location to, to uh, utilize the Methodist church, and so we're, we're excited to what God is going to do, amen, in Warrington, Virginia, hallelujah. Only God knows. Amen. And that's what I like about it. Because if we look at it through ourselves, our, our, we have limited time, we have limited resources, we have limited abilities, we have a, very, a lot of limitations that we can start to think about when we think about it. But with, but with all of our limitations and God, hallelujah, all things are possible to him that believe. Amen. And we're, we're expecting God to do a wonderful work in Warrington, Virginia. So please keep us in your prayers. We have our next uh, startup gathering this next coming uh, a weekend, and that's going to be on a Sunday afternoon there in Warrington. Amen. So please keep us in your prayers as we, as we get this show on the road. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 2 says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. I know that in each and every one of our lives, we all have probably monumental times or, or moments in our life where we see God move and work in our own individual lives. And, and uh, uh, one of those times in my own life was was uh, uh, in a Bible college scenario whenever I didn't understand what God was trying to do in my life. I didn't understand why things were happening in my life a certain way when I was trying to do everything I could to live for God. I didn't understand how sometimes bad things can happen to good people. I didn't understand what God was trying to do in an attempt in my life and, and what the work was. I, I just couldn't see the end from the beginning because all I could see was what was going on around me. 
Amen. And there was a, a, a masterful orator that, that spoke in a particular service, and I'm just going to steal his title, if you don't mind. I put the rest of the message together myself, but I'm just going to steal his title uh, this morning in a message. I'm going to title this, Blessed to be Broken. Well, you're blessed to be broken. Amen. And I think this this thought, what I feel on my heart, ties in perfectly to, to what Pastor Windsor has been talking about. And I appreciated his message even last week about the anointing of the shield and oiling uh, your shield. But, but in order to get to the posture of prayer, I feel like this, this scenario here, what I'm getting ready to deliver to somebody here in this house this morning, I, the Lord has a word for somebody to be encouraged, to, to keep on pressing through, to keep on working, amen, through the, through the storms of your life, amen, and if you feel like you are broken, amen, God, is, God has ordained it, and He is working something in your life that is for a greater blessing to reach out, amen, into somebody's heart, into somebody's life here in this house today, hallelujah. So why don't we just put our Bibles down, we're going to lift up the name of the Lord here in this place, let's act for God to begin to move and to, to minister to each and every one of our hearts here this morning. God, we love you, Jesus, we praise you, God, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done in this house, God, and we pray, God, your spirit would begin to move, Lord God, and minister, Lord, and to be made manifest in this place today, God. Oh, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for your touch. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for your benevolent kindness, God, but I pray today, minister and touch, God, and do, God, your work. God, work on the inward part of man here in this house today, Lord. I pray, God, let your word go forth and let it be sharp and quick and powerful and minister, God, to our hearts and let that seed be planted, God, to give us encouragement and joy and peace, God, in the middle of our storms. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, have your way in this house. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Once turn to somebody say, I'm blessed to be broken. Amen, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I, I feel tremendously what, what uh, Pastor Windsor has been preaching and, and why he's been feeling on his heart over these past several weeks. I've, I myself, I've been involved in a number of different churches in my uh, uh, ministerial walk, and uh, eight churches I, I've counted I've been involved in personally. And every single one of those that has pushed over the 400 mark has had a special burden for prayer. They've had a special passion for prayer. They have burdened through it. They have weathered through it. They've pressed through it. Amen. And, and every time, amen, each and every one of those men first had to go through a dying process. Amen. I'm thinking of the church where I uh, uh, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, Bishop Suey in Herrick, Illinois, where the, 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 the town, uh, the population was 350 people. They had, a, they had a gas station. <laughs> That's all they had. Uh, didn't even have a stoplight in that small town. But, but on, on Sundays and Wednesdays, the population of that town doubled. From people 
coming into the feel the presence of the Lord because somebody had a burden and a passion for prayer. They couldn't have an outreach program in a town of 350 people. They didn't have any, any fancy multimedia. Their music wasn't even that good, Sister Windsor. But what they knew to do was to get on their knees and go before the Lord in prayer. I mean, not just on a, on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, but, but they were religiously prayerful and took before God the, the needs, amen, of their community and the surrounding area. And what happened was people from 30 miles away, 40 miles away, 50 miles away, they came to draw. It's God's presence began to draw them like a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hid. As they reached and touched the throne of God, God began to draw souls and hearts and lives. And even to somebody like me, where God began to tug on, on my family's heart. And we came into the presence of God because not only was there a man of God that knew how to pray, but there was a church that knew how to go before the throne to prayer. The Bible says when Zion travails, she brings forth children. Amen. I, sometimes I wonder, and, 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 but rightfully so, I understand whenever people go before a, a, a baptismal or a, or a situation where somebody receives the Holy Ghost or is getting baptized, we like to rejoice and we like to worship God, and those things are perfectly and in order. Amen. But I like to see just as much of those times as whenever the church gets concerned and they begin to travail before the throne of God, whenever there's a soul that does not repent or that does not come to God, they begin to weep before the altar and begin to cry before God, amen, and begin to travail for the Lord to do the work. Where is the burden? Where is the passion in this hour for prayer? Where is the person that can purpose in their heart, amen, that they will pray for God until they see the prayer answered? I remember in the church of Brother Sue's, every, almost every service, we would, uh, uh, Brother Sue would say, okay, church, I want you to hit the walls. And we would go, some would go to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and, and we would take, out of a normal service, we'd take about 20 minutes just praying for souls. Just praying, God, draw people to this house. God, draw people to this place. God, draw people into this sanctuary. God, your grace is here. Your anointing is here. Your, your, your spirit, God, is here. God, and I pray, God, just begin to draw souls to feel, to experience, God, what we feel in this house today. Help me, Lord, not to keep it to myself. Help me, God, not to sit and soak in a sour. God, but help me, Lord, God, begin to, begin to have a burden and a passion, God, to, to reach out. Lord God, for the souls and the hearts of our community and loved ones. Amen. But there's a principle in God's Word and in the life of a Christian of brokenness. It is found throughout Scripture and time and time again through your walk with God. You will find yourself in the time in the midst of a breaking. Contrary to popular pundit or, or, or to the itching ears of the prevailing prosperity preaching that we find in our day and age. Brokenness is an integral part of every Christian's life. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And we see the scripture being fulfilled in our day and in our lifetime. 
Amen. We see men and women setting up mega churches or vast empires, if you will, based off of prosperity doctrine. And there is a principle in the Word of God. Yes, He will bless you as you give unto Him. Luke chapter 6 says, Give, and it, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, uh, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. If you give, yes, God's going to give unto you. He's going to give it pressed down and shaken together. And that's good, solid teaching. But when it comes to a season of brokenness, how's the prosperity, prosperity doctrine going to help you? When it seems that the outflow is exceeding your income and you don't know what the outcome is, how will a doctrine based off of a, maybe just a couple scriptures help you in life? We just can't ignore in Scripture the principle that's found in brokenness. Just as we can't ignore the season of brokenness that we sometimes experience in our own lives. I remember just as a, a young boy, amen, growing up on a farm in rural Illinois, amen. We, I remember my dad, uh, uh, we, we invested everything that we had into a, into a, a bull in North Dakota, Every penny we had, he was gonna he was gonna breed and and produce some some uh, miracle cow, and was gonna make lots of money. But he invested everything. We didn't have much, and he gave everything he had for that one that one moment. Took our heifer to North North Dakota, took him back to Illinois, and uh, uh, the, the the heifer calved in in midwinter, and that calf died in the cold winter night. And I remember my father gathering us together and said, look, we only have $100. He said, but we're going to make it. We're just going to have to live off the land and trust God. And in the middle of that, my mother was teaching uh, a Sunday school in the Methodist church. And she was teaching a, a lesson on, on healing. And uh, uh, the, for the final lesson, she decided to, uh, uh, to, to, to take the Sunday school class to the hospital because the pastor's son was sick. And so we, we went, to the, uh, uh, went to the hospital, prayed for the boy, and the boy was healed. And we thank God. We rejoiced about that. Amen. But, but, but a short time afterwards, uh, the pastor called my mother in the office, and he said, Mary Jane, he said, I, I thank, thank you for what you did. I believe the Lord healed my boy. He said, but, but we don't preach that here. He said, so we're going to have to ask you to leave the church. So we got kicked out of church. We didn't have, we didn't have anything as far as money was concerned. And then as the years passed, my father started to become bitter against God. He didn't understand uh, why something like that would happen in our lives. And so as my mom tried to go to church, uh, uh, they began to uh, uh, argue quite, uh, quite aggressively, should I say. And my dad would take parts out of the car so we couldn't go to church. You know, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. We don't know how good we have it, amen, to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Thank God for our veterans, amen, that are, that, that hallelujah, that gave themselves the sacrifice so we could be in the house of the Lord today. Thank God for His grace because there's a time I remember in my life when we could not go. I remember my Sunday morning consisted of uh, sitting in my living room and listening to Kenneth Copeland on TV. 
That was my that was our church service. I remember for Easter, uh, my mom would hold her, we'd hold her our own communion at the table. Because whenever my father was out doing chores, because he, he wouldn't have nothing to do with God. But whenever it came to the point, amen, whenever such the tension got to such a place, amen, where my, where my mom left my father and my family broke, it brought my dad to his knees. And he decided, you know, to show her I'm going to change my life, I'm going to find a church that believes in healing. I'm going to find a place, amen, that believes that God is still alive, and He is still able, amen, He's still uh, willing to work, amen, and it led us into a Pentecostal church. And we walked through those doors, amen. I didn't know what to expect, amen. People were shouting, people were lifting their hands, people were running the aisles. I, I didn't understand all of that, but all I knew, amen, was that I was broken. All I could understand was that I needed something greater, amen, than what my friends could give me or what the, my school could give me or what I, I knew around me because we was, we was in a tough situation. Amen, and we needed God, and God came through in our life. God, God filled me with the Holy Ghost, filled my brothers, my sister with the Holy Ghost. God began to do a wonderful work in our lives, amen, and led us up, amen, to this day. But it's been a process. It's been a process, amen, a blessing and a brokenness, amen, in, our, in my life. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says, And he took bread, and he gave thanks. Speaking of Jesus, and he broke it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And he took the bread. And the Bible says he blessed it, and then he broke it, and then commanded that they do this in remembrance of him. If we are truly to be Christians, if we are to really remember Him in everything that, that we do in our hearts and lives, if we are really to be true disciples of Christ and desire to be placed in His hands, then we must allow Him to break us so that we again can be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In order to really get a hold of the kingdom of God, to really be changed and to really become a part of God's in, integral plan. Amen. We must be made poor in spirit. But to, make, but to be made poor in spirit is not something that most people wish upon themselves. Hallelujah. But when we submit to God's plan in our life, then we can allow the breaking process to begin. It is a fact that every Christian that begins to live for God will be made poor at some time in their heart and lives in some area. Some, sometimes he makes us poor in finances. Uh, sometimes we go through a poor spiritual, a dry season, a poor spiritual time where it seems like we, we can't find direction or, uh, from the Lord. Or, or sometimes we're lonely and we start to go through a, a poorness of true friends. Or, or God allows us to go through a time of poor health. Or God allows a, a time of poorness so that He can truly bless us with the richness of His kingdom. Today you may find yourself in a time of poorness. But you, you need to follow Jesus' advice and begin to rejoice 
for you are really closer to the kingdom of God when you're ever than you've ever been. Why? Because God is setting the stage in your life for a blessing to come from the ashes of your brokenness. Is there any wonder, amen, why the testimony comes from the test? Is there any wonder why the enemy tries to discourage you the most when you're down, when you're out, when you don't understand? He's trying to discourage you because you're at the greatest point to your blessing. You are the closest you have ever been to your blessing. You are the, you are the nearest that you have ever been to what God is getting ready to do in your life. So the enemy will try to question. The enemy will try to bring in confusion. The enemy will try to bring in discouragement in your life. But I just want to encourage somebody here today, if you can begin to hold on, if you can kick it up a gear in prayer, if you can begin to allow your brokenness and use that as a tool, amen, to, to find yourself in a place with God, amen, to get a hold of the, of the altar, amen, to get a hold, amen, of your brokenness, if you will, amen, and press on till you get that blessing in your life. And it's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You look at Elijah at Zarephath. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 14 says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and she did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he speak by Elijah. And it came to pass after these sayings that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, uh, fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Elijah prayed for the widow's son, and his life was restored. Praise God. But God knew that the woman was going to need a blessing one day. And raising her son. So what did he do? He allowed her to become poor in food so that the miracle of life could be a blessing in her. God alone knows what the future holds in your life. We can never question God in a time of poorness or in a time of brokenness. For he is breaking us to set us up for a time when we will need a blessing. You see, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are, they're not our thoughts, for he is breaking us to set us up for a time when we will need a blessing. You see, he knows what he's doing in your life. He knows your experiences. He knows your hurt. He needs the process of brokenness to come to pass to begin the blessing that he desires to work in your life and heart. You can look no further than the feeding of the 5,000. It's a very familiar miracle found in John chapter 6, verse 8. It says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? 
and Jesus said, make the men sit down. And now there was, was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in a number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and, and when he given thanks, uh, the Bible says he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that, that were set down, and, and likewise to the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. You see, barley loaves were the food of the poor. Only those who could not afford wheat ate bread made of barley. It was evening, and the little boy sat. Uh, he had not eaten his lunch. And notice that it was a, the Bible says it was a desert place. And there was nowhere else to, to get food. But Jesus took the poorest meal available to the poorest spot available. And he used it to teach a principle. He blessed it. And he broke it. And then it multiplied to feed the 5,000 plus that were there. There is a principle here. It is only through God making us poor and a breaking process that happens in our lives that we will have, uh, is able to feed the multitudes around us. The little boy's lunch would not have been enough had it not been broken and blessed by the master, by Jesus Christ. You may be looking at what you have to offer and you're thinking that it's not much. God, I might not have much talent. God, I might not have much ability. God, I might not have uh, much finance. But you need to realize that it is enough spiritually to feed and to reach an entire world when it is broken and blessed by Jesus Christ. It was not the teaching that convinced the meeting. That, that convinced the men that Jesus was a king of kings. But it was the breaking and the blessing of poorness that happened. Nothing will convince others of the need for Jesus than witnessing the broken process and the blessing process that happens in your life. Amen. Amen. Don't shun the brokenness. Don't fight the brokenness. Because God has a blessing in it. I know the breaking process is not comfortable. I know the breaking process in your life is not convenient. Amen. You may feel like that, that fish or those barley loaves. When God begins to, he begins to tear it in half. And he begins to cast it. Amen. And bless it. And cast it into the multitudes. And you may say, my God. Hey, hallelujah. Thank God for the blessing after the brokenness. But then God turns around again and he breaks it all over again and it begins to cast you out again into the multitudes and you say thank God for that miracle or thank God for that good church service and then God turns back around again and he begins to tear you in half all over again and then he throws you out again into the multitude you see it's the breaking process it's the blessing process where God begins to feed where God begins to touch where God begins to work in your life and touch the multitude that are outside of these walls, the multitudes that are outside in your life, amen, through your brokenness and your brokenness again and your brokenness again. And then God blesses and blesses and blesses 
You see, but, but, but the story doesn't end there. God will turn around and he'll do it over. He'll do it over again. He'll do it over again in your life. Why? Because there's souls out there that need to experience the power of God. There are people out there that need to experience your testimony. There are people out there that need to see the change, that need to see the miracle, that see the blessing that's going to happen in your life. It's all about the multitudes. It's not about your brokenness. It's all about what God desires to do outside of these walls. It's not about your brokenness. But you got to allow the brokenness to happen in your life. You got to allow the storms to come. You got to allow the trials to come. You got to allow, amen, those, the, the rain to come, amen, before God to begin to do the work to touch those outside of your reach. My God. In fact, can I dare say here this morning that the more you're broken, the more God will bless you. And you'll see all the more the multitudes come and be filled through your life. Hallelujah. 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 My God, my God, I feel the Spirit of the Lord. Why don't we lift up our hands here right now? Oh, God, I thank you, Lord. God, I don't understand it, Lord. God, I, don't, I can't comprehend what you're trying to do in my life, God. But whatever it is, God, use it. Use it for your glory, God. Use it. I trust you. I lean upon you, God. God, do your perfect work in our hearts, in our lives, my God. Let it bring us to the point of prayer. Let it bring us to the point of anointing. Let it bring us to the point, God, where you desire for us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, in Daniel chapter 2, we find the great prophecy of the great image of man. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 32, it says, This image's head was of fine gold. His breasts and his arms were of silver. His belly and his thighs were of brass. His legs of iron and his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, that was all broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer's threshing floors and the wind that carried them away that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and a field the whole earth. Now Daniel goes on to give the interpretation of the dream and the, and the gold head stood. Uh, we know uh, about the kingdom of Babylon, the silver of Persia, the brass of the Greeks, the iron of Romans, the iron and clay, the Holy Roman Empire. But and the rock is Jesus Christ who will come and set up his kingdom and destroy all the, the kingdoms of man. But, but Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not so much interested here this morning in the prophecy I, as I am in the spiritual principle that's found here. You see, each of us, each of us has formed ourselves into images of what we desire to become. And we're continually trying to make ourselves and what we see as the ultimate person in our lives. Our lives and paths have 
formed us into who we are today. And God looks at it and realizes that in order to set up His kingdom in our hearts, the image that we have made must be broken and it must be shattered. And then God can set up His kingdom in our hearts. Like Jeremiah in the potter's wheel, we desire for God to, to shape us and to mold us and to, and to what He wants us to be. But, but before we become soft and malleable, we must be broken and we must be shattered. I was talking to somebody several, several years back and was talking on this same subject. Why do we cry? Why do we have to shed tears? Why, why do we have to face trials? And, and she said, and she was much wiser than me, she said, because it's through the tears of your heart that God uses to soften the potter's clay. It's through the experience of your brokenness where God can lay you on that potter's wheel and he began to, to chip away the things to chip away the things that aren't like God. He can begin to work on you. And, and I know it's not comfortable. I, I know it's not a popular message, but where God can begin to make you into what He wants you to be in, in your own life. Amen. But God, help us to realize that our image of ourselves and the image that God wants us to be can sometimes be two very different things. When we seek, when you seek for your will and try to recreate yourself in your own image, then you will find trouble. There you will find storms because our image of ourselves will always try to bypass the Word of God. We'll always try to bypass the man of God. But we must be able to seek God in our life above everything, above all else, in our lifestyles, in our, in our mannerisms, in the way we dress, in our relationships, in our finances, in, our, in everything that we do. Even in, especially in the times of our brokenness, the times of our brokenness. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that we cannot afford to miss the point of brokenness in our lives. Immediately after the disciples got across the sea, after Jesus fed the 5,000, they became hungry again. And Jesus asked them, where were the 12 baskets full of bread that had been left over? You see, they missed the point of the blessing and brokenness, which was to sustain them for the next few days. How many people go through a time of brokenness instead of allowing it to change them, instead of allowing them to be able to trust God more and, and show them their true need for God? They begin to turn away or get better or, or to question again. God and the kingdom of God begins to grow farther from them each and every day. When people question God, what they are doing is saying that their image, their image of how they think, should be more important than God's image. And that's idolatry. When you begin to put more trust in your own image, put more faith in your own way of thinking. Somebody said it 
like this. I liked it. I couldn't. I couldn't say as eloquently they were. They said, "If you can, if you can put God inside of your inside of your three pound brain, He's not worth worshiping anyway. If you can figure God out inside of your minute thinking, He's not God. If you know, if you know where He come from, if you know where He's going, if you know all of His plan for your life, Amen. If if not, I wouldn't." He's not, he's not even worth worshiping. But, that, but to know a God, to know that His ways are not my ways, to know a God, that, to know that His thoughts are not my thoughts, to know a God that says, I know that He's a healer, I know that He's a comforter, I know that He's a Savior, I know that He's a banner that I can lift up, I know that He's my mediator, I know that He's my advocate, I know that He's my rose of Sharon, I know that He's a lily in my valley, I know that He's a peacemaker, I know that He is my all in all, to know that He is is, amen, the, the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end, to know that he is everything in my life that I need. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God I want to worship. I don't want to worship a God that I can figure out. I don't want to serve a God that I can figure out. But I want to worship a God that I know I can trust, that has come through time and time again, that in the middle of my brokenness, he turns around and he blesses you and he touches you and he feels you and he works out your needs in your life. My God. People can, people can argue our doctrine. They can argue, amen, what we think in, in eschatology or, what, or, or soteriology or whatever else, but they cannot argue what God has done for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And he's a God I can't figure out. Maybe that's a good sermon title somewhere down the line. The God I can't figure out. But Acts chapter 19 records when Paul, uh, he went to Asia. Let me back up here. Paul and his missionary companions, they reached Galatia. The Holy Ghost forbade them to, to go and to preach Asia. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, he, uh, he forbid, the Holy Ghost forbade Paul to go preach in Asia. Why would the Holy Ghost so directly and so forcibly forbid them to go and to preach in Asia? Eventually, they did go preach in Asia, so we know that it must not have been the right time. In Acts chapter 19, it says, And they came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews, Jews and Greeks. But in Acts chapter 16, he forbade them to go. Why the pause? Why the hesitation? In Acts chapter 19 records when Paul did finally go to Asia. The first town that he, he came to was Ephesus. And here Paul met 12 disciples of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. 12. Uh, the thought just came to me. We just had 12 people, amen, in our first startup gathering. Hallelujah. We got the makings. Hallelujah. The 12, 12 apostles. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Uh, but but uh, uh, these disciples were obviously committed to the message of John so that they had left their former lives and on their own were trying to start a work based upon John's teachings. Unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't have much luck in Asia for there were only 12 there in the large metropolis of Ephesus. When Paul met them, he immediately checked their doctrine and asked if they received the Holy Ghost since they believed. And they also were rebaptized. baptized 
and received the Holy Ghost since they believed. And they also were, were rebaptized in the name of Jesus, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Later on, we find Paul writing a letter to the Ephesians, which testifies of the great work that was done there. And in fact, the second century, uh, the church in Ephesus became a spiritual and doctrinal uh, center of the church because of the strong churches that were built in Asia. But why did the Holy Ghost forbid Paul uh, first to go to Asia? I believe that it was because God was allowing some disciples of John the Baptist to go through a breaking process. They were zealous. They were full of enthusiasm. They were very, very sincere, but they didn't have all of the truth. They didn't have all of the message, and they needed something more in their life. Had Paul gone earlier before their efforts to build a church had proved futile, it would have proved frustrating. They likely would have, would have not received Paul's doctrine of being baptized in Jesus' name or receiving the Holy Ghost. But because of the breaking process, because of them spending some time in their city and seeing no results, I've been there, seeing, saying, God, what's going on? God, I don't understand. You called us to this place. God, you called us to this city. Amen. And they had to die. They had to die for their city. They had to die to God, amen, for their city. And once they become broken, then God said, okay, Paul, now you can come in. Now, Paul, their, their field is ripe. Come on, Paul. Now, now they're ready to receive the full gospel. Come on, Paul. And Paul went and preached, and they received the gospel, the message, amen, and received God. And God built a strong church in Asia. But they had to go through the breaking process. They had to die. When God begins a breaking process in our lives, it's always to convince us that we need something more. You may have repented your sins. You may have even been baptized in Jesus' name. But you'll never have the power that you need to be victorious in your life and acceptable to God until you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. Can I say for each and every one of you here, you may be comfortable, but God wants you to have more. You may think, yeah, I've received everything I need in my life, but let me say that God says it's not enough because I'm a God of more. Hallelujah. You may be sitting here and saying, well, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm comfortable where I'm at. Things are happy where I'm at, but God's not happy where you're at. God says, no, I got more for you. No, there's more hearts to come in here. More. There's more ministry for you to fulfill. No, there's more for you to work. There's more for you to do. There's more for you to get involved in. There's more for you to do. So I'm going to break you to create a hunger and a desire again to receive something more. The disciples of John were trying to live for God, but had gone through a breaking process to get them to listen to the truth. So God wanted them to receive everything that he had for them. But he had to break him first. He had to break him first. The reason God has to wait to reveal the truth to some people is because their spirit, because their spirit is not broken. It's not broken enough. You've got to repent of your sins first and foremost. You've got to die out to the old man. You've got you to die out to the old lifestyle. You've got to become broken in your life and say, God, amen, I, I'm not good enough, God. God, I can't do anything great enough, Lord. It's not in my righteousness, God. God, I, I, I can't help it. Lord, I need you, Lord, in my life. It's not until you die out to him, repent of your sins. 
Can you receive the blessing in your life? But listen to me. How you respond to your brokenness is so important. And let me just throw this in here. I'm going to wrap this up. But uh, your brokenness is so important on how, and how you respond to God. And it's a special time in your life to be broken. God willing, if we make it to heaven, and I pray that each and every one of us here makes it to heaven. But do you realize in heaven there's no more weeping? There's no more sorrow? But let me flip the other side of the coin on this, that whenever you're in heaven, you will never know God again, the closeness of him, should I say, through your period of brokenness. Because after, after heaven, there's not going to be any more times where you can shed tears with God. There won't be any more times whenever you can feel that, that, that yearning, that drawing, that, oh, there will be, a, hallelujah, when, whenever I get to heaven, I, I'm, I'm going to probably hang around Jesus for about a few hundred millennia, hallelujah. But, but you'll never know him again in that season of brokenness. So now, whenever you have the opportunity to experience God through your brokenness, God is drawing you to a higher place. God is bringing you up for a blessing. God is, God is preparing you for something greater. Amen. And this is the moment in time, hallelujah, that you'll never experience in heaven. A special time of brokenness. The 12 disciples of John the Baptist responded by gaining a greater experience with God and through revival. In other words, through their brokenness, they decided to draw closer to God. But how many people do not respond to faith in their trials? I, you might say, I, I don't understand, or, or that's all I've known. You might think that coming to God is a quick fix to all your problems. And when God allows even more situations to come and to break you so that he can begin to remold you, into his image. I've seen men and women begin to respond in doubt and walk off, shaking their hands about heads about how God will not deliver them, about how God allows sadness and hardships in their lives. They have essentially jumped off the potter's wheel because they didn't like being touched by the hands of God. They're content to approach life their way, which is, what, which is where, what's gotten him, them to where they are. They're afraid to take the sacrifice. They're afraid to make the commitment to God. They're afraid to go through the season of brokenness. And the denominal world doesn't understand this. I was in Warrington just this past Monday, Pastor Windsor, with a group of ministers from Warrington. They, they call it the Theology Pub. Yeah, I don't like the name of that either. But... They're were, they were talking about why does God do bad things to good people? And the whole thing was about the life and times of Job. And their final consensus was that they loved the book of Job because it showed the humanity of Job. And the whole time I was thinking, no, it shows forth God's blessing after you're faithful, after you keep your integrity. And, and, they, and one lady said this, which made me almost get up and leave. She said, I would have rather had the book of Job just cut off in the middle of the curses. I'm like, what are you thinking? What are you talking about? She's, and she said, because 
the beauty of humanity is so is so I'm like this isn't about this isn't about humanity this is about deity this is about this is about God as you keep your integrity being faithful to God amen and God restoring a hedge around you and and blessing you and keeping you yeah I know Job went through a lot of trial I know Job went through a, a season of brokenness but but you know what here's just an extra thought before I close this off is that whenever Job finally got to the point you know the story God he lost his family he lost his heart and everything was happening around in his life and Job was losing everything. And he finally got to the point where he began to question God. And God turned around and said, he said, where are you whenever I hung the heavens? Where are you, amen, when I threw the stars into space? And Job was wrestling with God. Almost like, almost like uh, the story of, uh, of, of, of Jacob uh, wrestling the angel of the Lord. You know, but there's a thing about wrestling. I used to wrestle when I was in, when I was in high school. Wrestling consists of, of escapes and holds. And I believe whenever, whenever uh, Jacob was wrestling or whenever Job uh, was wrestling with God here in this instance, first thing he was trying to do was escape. God, help me. Get me out of what I, what's happening. Get me out of what's going on in my life. Get me out of, of my situation, God. What are you doing in my life? He was trying to excuse wrestling God, trying to escape a situation. But when God begins to speak, when God turns around and begins to talk to, talk to Job about his deity, about who he is, about what power he has, amen, Job turned around uh, from, a, from a, a, a position of escaping to a position of holding on, amen. Amen, just like, just like Jacob, amen, when he was wrestling the angel, uh, he came to a place where, first of all, he might have been trying to escape but then he held on to that angel. He said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until I receive what I need from the Lord. Amen. And whenever Job realized, amen, who God was, he said, God, you're enough. I, I realize who you are now, God. I realize, God, that keeping my integrity is enough. And I'm going to keep on serving and keep on living for you, God, because he realized that God is enough in the midst of his brokenness. God is enough for you. Friend, God is enough for you here today. If you can stop trying to escape your brokenness and begin to hold on to God, the blessing's coming. If you can begin to hold on to God, your blessing's coming in your life. Your blessing's coming in your life. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, a broken, a broken spirit in a contrite heart, O Lord, thou wilt not despise. If you ever worried about whether God hears your prayers, one sure way for God to hear your prayers is to become broken. Let God begin to break you. Break your heart. I would rather fall on the Lord and let my heart be broken than to have God fall on me and cause a breaking to happen in my life. I would rather say, God, I'm going to fall on you today in this altar, God, than to have you fall on me and begin to break me in the midst of my situation, in the midst of my circumstance. Amen. Is there any wonder why the Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance? It's because a broken spirit 
and a contrite heart, oh God, thou will not, thou will not despise. My God, the greater the brokenness, the greater the sorrow, the greater the hurt, the greater the dry seasons, the greater the Lord is going to begin to work through you and bless you and bring glory unto himself. I remember, I remember just as a young boy, Amen. My family, they, it seemed like the pieces were all coming back together. Amen. But then, but then my, my, my parents decided to split apart for good. My mom declared bankruptcy. We, we got evicted from our home. I didn't understand what God was doing. I didn't understand what was happening in my life. I, I said, I went to my youth pastor. I said, I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to do everything I can for God. But here I am. It seems like my life is torn apart. I don't understand what's happening. And my friends who I know are not living for God, it seems like they're doing all right. And he said, he said, Josh, he said, he said, all I can say is that you're awesome because the Lord wouldn't put on you anything that you can bear. He said, allow this point, allow this season of brokenness. God's got more in store for you than what he does these other boys. God's got more in store for you. He says, he said, you see, he said, in order for God to build a tower, he has to have a wide foundation. He said, and how high your tower goes depends upon how wide your foundation is. He said, God's setting the foundation for you. He said, you can't see how high you're going to go yet. He said, but I believe it. He said, I see it. He said this. He said, and I'm just, I haven't told too many people this, but he said, Josh, he said, God's going to, God's going to use you to touch thousands. I don't see it. I don't see it, Pastor. I don't see it, but I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But I allow the brokenness. That's why God would God would break me, Pastor. God would break me. Then I would see his deliverance. God would break me. Amen. Man, it was always something else. And then it seemed like God would, things were going all right, Sister Windsor. But God would turn around and he'd break me again. And then I say, okay, God, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I'm going to move here. I'm going to be involved in this work. And this, God would turn around and he'd break me again. And I say, God, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand the process that you're weathering me through. God, it, it hurts. I, I can't explain it. When people ask me, I feel ashamed to tell them what's going on in my life. And I didn't understand what was happening, but I, I kept the faith. I kept I kept allowing God. I kept going to my knees in prayer. I kept saying, God, uh, you're, you're more than enough. I don't understand it, God. But I'm going to show you, God, that through my brokenness, through my uh, process, Lord God, I'm going to, I may have to go through the storm, God. I don't want to, I don't want to go through it. But Lord, I, if I, if I, I can't go around it, but I, I must go through it. Hallelujah. And I allow God again to bless me each and every time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're broken, you may not even realize it. You may not even feel like it. But through your breaking process, God is interested also about the breaking process of the chains that have held you bound. 
through your breaking process. God is interested in a change. Amen. That once held you down. Amen. Maybe walls through your hurt. Maybe walls, amen, that you have built, amen, to shelter yourself from rejection or from or from a from a bad situation or circumstance in your life. Amen. And, and the things that you have built around yourself, God is God is interested and said, No, you're gonna have to remove those things. You're gonna have to remove those obstacles for me to take you where I want you to be in your life. Amen. And God, through your breaking process, He's not just interested in you going through a storm, but He's interested in you coming out better, above, and beyond. Amen. Where you were whenever you first uh, stepped foot. Amen. In, in your moment of prayer. Amen. May God is going to use you to break. Amen. The chains, the chains of bitterness, the chains of intimidation, the chains of fear. Amen. The chains, amen, they are trying to hold you down from, from the work and ministry. Chains that are trying to hold you down. Amen. From becoming the prayer warrior that you know you can be. Chains, amen, are trying to hinder you from becoming the soul winner that God has purposed for you to be. Chains, amen. God wants to break the chains in your life. God wants to, can I put it this way? God wants to break every hurt. God wants to break every every moment where, where you've been disappointed. Every time you're, you're on the potter's wheel, amen, it may not be comfortable, but allow the breaking process in your life. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift up our hands and our hearts right now? Amen. Why don't we begin to talk to the Lord? Amen. Why don't we begin to uh, reach out to the Lord here in this house here this morning? I believe, amen, that God wants to work through somebody through the breaking process, through the moment. God is, God is trying to work through something in your life. You may not be able to understand all of what God is trying to do. Amen. You may only see it from mountain to mountain top, but you don't understand why you're in the middle of the valley. I'm trying to tell somebody, come on, hallelujah, press through, reach out to God, allow God to do the work through your breaking. And everything I give, yes, yes.